The reading today is from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. And when the days of the purification came, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem and presented him to, to the Lord. Just as written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband, lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about, to, about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. In the last year, we've gotten some new things around here. We've got a new roof and new, actually that's it's been a while, and, and we've got a new name, we've got a new sign, we've got a new website, it's all this new stuff. And people do come to church because of those things. People look us up on Google and, uh, and, uh, find us or on Facebook, uh, when when we chose the name Heartwood Church, we were the only Heartwood Church in the United States. But there was another church in Roner Park that was going through the same exact process we were, pretty much. And so we both changed our name to Heartwood Church at the first of the year. Uh, the pastor of that church liked our Facebook page, like last week. You know, because it's like, oh, there's two of us. We had people come to our Christmas Eve uh, service and brunch just because they saw the sign. But that's not why anybody stays. I've never had anybody say, your church had such a cool website, I just decided to go here and stay here. It gets people through the door. One of the things that gets people through the door. 
you know, I, uh, some of the books I have for my children are the arch books. They're, they're little Bible stories. And there was two of them. One said, Solomon builds the temple. And then there was another book that said, Ezra rebuilds the temple. And I put those pictures of those on Facebook to my friends. I said, this is supposed to be a trilogy. There's a book missing in the middle. Nebuchadnezzar destroys the temple. I mean, why else would Ezra have to rebuild it? Um, but the temple that Ezra built, by the time we get to the time of uh, Jesus and Mary and Joseph, they actually call it Herod's temple. Because Herod has remodeled and upgraded and, and made what was Ezra's time temple very nice. It's a grand building. It's an important building. People want to come just to see the building. But the reason Simeon and Mary and Joseph were all at the temple that day wasn't because it was nice. There was probably a lot of people at the temple that day. There's probably a lot of people at the temple every day. But that day, everybody was there that we hear their story is because of Jesus. We call these stories, oh, it's the story of Jesus being presented at the temple, and we talk about Simeon, and we talk about Anna and Mary. They're all there because of Jesus. See, Simeon, his promise is fulfilled in Jesus. Simeon's promise is fulfilled in Jesus. His, his, where is he, his place? The, the text says he's in Jerusalem. Now, we don't know that he lived in Jerusalem. It doesn't say he lived there, but that day he happened to be in Jerusalem. At that day, he's in the holy city. And Simeon himself is holy. We've got a holy man in the holy city. He's described as righteous. He's someone who does what is right. You know, we talked about justice over the last couple of weeks. Simeon is somebody who strives for justice. He does it. It also says he's devout. That means he is careful in his reverence for God. He's living out what the Apostle Paul would later say, walking in the Spirit. He's careful about his relationship with God. He's righteous, he's devout, and he's looking. He's expecting to see or receive Israel's consolation. What he, that, that word consolation, it's also translated comfort. It's the same exact word that Jesus used for the coming of the Holy Spirit. He's looking forward to the Holy Spirit coming to Israel. So, not just the Messiah Savior, but the ramifications of the Messiah Savior's presence. That's the new covenant, which promises a new heart and God's spirit within them. He's looking forward to what the Messiah brings, the spirit in the people. So he's righteous, he's devout, and he's looking. And he himself already has the Holy Spirit on him, the text says. So he's not necessarily looking for the Holy Spirit for himself because he has the Holy Spirit on him. He's looking for the Holy Spirit to get 
on everybody, the whole nation. And he has this promise that he's received from the Holy Spirit that he will see the Messiah before he dies. In his lifetime, he will get to see the Messiah. And so he is guided by the Holy Spirit and he goes to the temple. The text doesn't give us any other reason for him to be at the temple other than the Holy Spirit says, today, be in Jerusalem and today, go to the temple. So, he gets there at the temple. It seems that he's there before Mary and Joseph and Jesus arrive. But he recognizes them. We don't know how. But he recognizes and he takes up the child Jesus. He recognizes the fulfillment of the promise. Here is the Messiah. Here is salvation. Here is peace. Here is a light, not just for Israel, but a light for the whole world. Remember, he's looking for the consolation, the Spirit to come to Israel. But when he actually sees the Messiah, he says, this is the Spirit for everybody. Simeon has a promise from God. He's walking in the Spirit. He knows where to go. He knows when to go there. He knows who to talk to. And the person he is drawn to is Jesus. He knows where he's going. He's looking for Jesus. Christians without goals or purpose can be described a little bit like Alice in Alice in Wonderland when she talks talks to the Cheshire cat. She asked the cat, would you please tell me which way I ought to go from here? And that, the cat says, that depends a good deal on what you want to get to. Alice, not knowing where she is in Wonderland, says, I don't much care where. So the cat says, then it doesn't matter which way you go. Simeon knew exactly where he was going. Now, we need to be ready. Sorry, my pages are sticking together. There we go. We need to be ready like Simeon. You know, Jude one twenty one says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and for eternal life. Simeon had a promise in his lifetime, so do we. He was expectantly waiting. He was ready. We need to be guided like Simeon. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Simeon's every step that he's literally taking is being guided by the Holy Spirit. Every person he talked to is being guided by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.8 Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Jumping up to verse 14. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons, God's children. We can literally be led by the Spirit. And here's the thing. This promise is not just for people 
already walking in the Spirit. The promise is for everyone, Simeon says. 1 John 4.14 We and we have seen and testified that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. The world's Savior. In Romans 10.13 Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, for Christians, we're supposed to be, if we have faith in Jesus, walking in the Spirit. We need to remember, part of the Spirit's role is to be working in the lives, convicting people who have not yet come to faith. There are people who are being moved by the Spirit that don't even know what the Holy Spirit is yet. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's this promise of salvation and new life in Jesus that Simeon has. How do I get that for me? Well, that's when we go to Mary and Joseph. Joseph and Mary, they fulfill the precepts in Jesus. That's a fancy way of saying they're fulfilling the law. I said precepts because it starts with P, and all my points start with P. They are fulfilling the law. Mary and Joseph are following the law of Moses. They, they need a certain number of days to be purified. Leviticus chapter 12. After a woman gives birth, it takes eight days for her to be purified of all the, after, think they've, they've, there's bodily fluids, there's blood. So, basically a week to be purified, and on the eighth day, they go to the temple. And on this eighth day, Jesus must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth, again, Leviticus 12, and a sacrifice must be made for sins. And this is not to cleanse the child. The circumcision brings the child into the covenant. The sacrifice is for the sins of the mother. And so Mary and Joseph are doing this. I was talking to some some ladies last night, and just, I've not ever having given birth myself, something I hadn't thought about, she said, one of the ladies said, not to put down Mary's obedience, she said, after giving birth, this is not something that she'd want to do. She said, how far away is Bethlehem from, from Jerusalem? And I said, oh, depending on where they are, 15 miles. She said, I hope they still had their donkey to ride on week after giving birth, and she's got to go travel to the temple. But they are fulfilling the law. Why are they fulfilling the law? Jesus. They would have had no reason to go to the temple if Jesus hadn't been born. And as they fulfill the law, they get a blessing from Simeon. Both parents are blessed. And then Mary gets a special word, confirmation again that Jesus is the Messiah. I'm not going to go into detail about all the things that, that he says. Um, I preached this just about a year ago. If you want to go back, it's still on the podcast uh, from March 2nd, 2019. It's called Cautioned. But what he says in short, he says, This child is going to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel. This child's going to be a sign that's going to be opposed. This child will do things or undergo things that was going to pierce her soul. 
It's basically saying, Mary, it's not going to be easy for you, but this child is the Messiah. So Mary and Joseph, they've, they do the right thing. They're following the law. Mary's sins are forgiven. And they get a blessing. And they do all this because of Jesus. He's the reason why they're at the temple. Now, there are certainly some bad people in the world. But I think there are also a lot of people who want to do good. Be good people. At least be considered good people. I saw this picture uh, I know you won't be able to read the note, but somebody put a bag over somebody's open window. The note says, you left your window open, so I put a bag over it to keep your interior dry. Have a great day from your friendly neighborhood, Gilligan. You know, they just they saw somebody's car with the window open, they took care of it. I think people do stuff like that probably all the time, but that's not what makes the news. What makes the news is somebody doing something really bad, not just somebody being good. It's not that we can be perfectly good. You know, what makes news headlines are people who do wrong, who do selfish things. And those maybe those people are newsworthy because they're the exception. The thing is, many people have very different ideas about what's right and what's good. See, everyone's sinful, but that doesn't mean everybody wants to be sinful. I actually think most people want to be good. We just can't. (laughs) And we don't agree on what's good. And even the good we know we can't always do. We try our best. And that's why we need Jesus. See, through Jesus, Mary and Joseph fulfill the law because Jesus fulfills the law. People need to know that. People need to know, it's okay that I can't be good all the time. God already knows that. That's why he sent Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 5.17, Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Jesus says, Jesus was good all the time. He did it for us. So Romans 8.1-4 The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I may want to do good, but Jesus is good, and I don't have to bring two doves to sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice. People need to know that, especially people that want to be good, but can't. And then on that point of, well, how do we agree on what is actually good? Jesus gives us both the guidelines and the power to do what is good. That's what walking in the Spirit is. 1 John 2.6 The one who says he remains in him 
should walk just as he walked, should walk just as Jesus walked. How do I know what's good? What did Jesus do? He was good all the time. Galatians 5.16 Walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. The Spirit's not just for guidance where to go, but how to do it. So when I get a hold of that promise of life in Jesus, I don't just get a new life, I get a new reason and strength to live. Then our last character that is at the temple that day, Anna. She fulfills her purpose in Jesus. You know, she's described as a prophetess. So she has it in her gifting and ministry to speak, thus saith the Lord. She's of the tribe of Asher, it says, which tells us who she is, that she's a real person. Her father's name is listed and her tribe is listed. But the tribe of Asher is not a big deal. She's not a Levite, a teacher of the law. She's not in the tribe of Benjamin or Judah, the royal tribes. She's not even in the tribe of Dan, who a lot of the judges come from. She's from Asher. Who's that? Well, somebody. And she, she's a little old. You know, if we guess, she was maybe married around 13 maybe a little younger. She was married for seven years, and then she lived in the temple. Depending on translation, she's anywhere between 84 years old and 104 years old. As long as we're looking at ages, who's all at the temple that's being named today? Got an old man and an old woman and a young couple and a baby. The temple needs all generations of people. And we're the temple. The building is not the temple. The people are the temple. It, uh, I'm, as many articles as I've read about what's going on with particular church in Cottage Grove, I still don't know that I have the whole story because I'm not there. But I do know one thing. The temple needs everybody. We need you if you're 104, and we need you if you're four. (laughs) So she's been married and widowed, and now she lives at the temple, which means two things. She has no other family to take her in and no way to take care of herself. This is the temple, for lack of a better term, welfare system. If you are a widow and you have no family, you can live at the temple. And so that's where she is. So she's actually one who's at the temple already before Jesus gets there. But what does she do? She stays at the temple. She already has a ministry. She serves God 24 hours a day. It says night and day she fasts and prays. So let's jump ahead to application real quick. You 
are never too old to do ministry in the church. If you don't get any older folks, and that's me included, (laughs) the church needs us praying and fasting. If you're watching online, even if you can't get out of your house, you can pray. We need that. The church, the temple needs that. So she's got a ministry. She's got a thing that she does. But today, this day, she changes what she's doing. Why? Because Jesus is there. She didn't say, I'm busy. I've got my prayer and fasting to do. (laughs) Jesus is there. And so she she goes from doing what is typically, Jesus describes as a very, should be a very private thing. Fasting. And now she's doing a very public thing. She's publicly thanking God. She switched from her private ministry to a very public ministry. She's speaking to everyone who's there that's like Simeon, who's looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Got something to tell you today. In some ways it reminded me of Toys R Us. Toys R Us is a toy store of my lifetime. I remember as a kid when Toys R Us first like came out and I thought it was like a magical place to go to Toys R Us. I thought the first time I went there I thought there was literally going to be like a live cartoons there. But Toys R Us went out of business because they didn't change what they were doing as they got older. There was a church in 1963 in New York that had a sign on the door, gone out of business. We didn't know what our business was. And an Anglican priest, uh, Charles Kingsley, he's from the 1800s, he wrote this, We act as though comfort and luxury were the chief requirements of life. When all that we need to make us really happy is something to be enthusiastic about. That's Anna's life. (laughs) She's getting by in the temple. I'm sure she's taken care of. But when she sees Jesus, she's excited about something. I got something to tell you. Something that I've been praying for for maybe 84 years. Now, a church can and should offer and provide good things. We should have good ministries. We should have good ways for people to get engaged in formation for themselves and in service. And I mean, churches need those things. But we better have Jesus for them to mean anything. People may come for the sign. People may come for the kids' ministry. I I told the sisters last night, as I reflected on this passage, I said, I jokingly tell people, I come to the monastery for the food, because the food's always so good there. But really, I go there because Jesus is there. 
the one person that I can be absolutely sure that is attracted to me because of my looks is my wife. And I still better have some Jesus in me. We have to tell people that the promise of Jesus is for them. Romans ten fourteen and 15. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We've got to, got to, got to be praying. And then when the people are there, we've got to be talking. And as I said before, it's for people of any age. The promise is for people of any age, and the ministry is for people of any age. The promise of Joel 2.28, Peter said it started at Pentecost. I think it started before that. But he says, says the Holy Spirit, he will bring this vision to life through us. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Everybody's got stuff to do. I've realized at my age, it's like, oh, you know what? I've kind of slid into the old man category. I've got a lot of dreams. Um, maybe it's not for me to set the vision. Maybe it's for the younger people to set the vision. And I'll say, you can do it. I can help. <laughs> but prayer is absolutely an essential component. It's the first component before speaking to draw people to Jesus. Think about this. Before Jesus goes to the cross, he prays and asks his disciples to pray with him. Matthew twenty six forty and 41. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, So couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you don't, won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus calls his disciples to pray. Before the Holy Spirit comes and thousands come to faith in Jesus, what are the disciples doing? They're praying. Acts 1.14 They were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. The church is praying. The temple is praying. The parable that Jesus tells of the unjust judge tells us that God is moved when people consistently pray. That's Luke 18, 6 through 8. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus said, when I come back, will I find you praying? That new life, that new reason, and that new strength to live lasts even when my physical body or perhaps even my mind begin to lose the strength of youth.
you know, I am not familiar enough with the life of Kobe Bryant to speak definitively on, on him. It was when I got home from church last Sunday and I went on Facebook and I saw that Kobe Bryant had died in a uh, helicopter accident. I wasn't even sure if it was real because I don't believe hardly anything on Facebook. <laughs> and I thought about his life from an outsider's perspective and I said, you know what? This man lived his dream in basketball. He's considered one of the greatest players of all time. Won multiple championships. And, but I wonder, he lived his dream in basketball. Did he have the time to live his life? I don't know. Maybe he did. Because basketball is fun, but basketball is not a purpose. And I, I was just wondering, it's like, okay, his life after basketball, was he now finding his purpose? And then, cut short, I don't know. Basketball is not a purpose, and neither is just going to church. That's not a purpose. If Jesus isn't here to meet me and empower me by his Holy Spirit. Simeon, moved by the Holy Spirit, Mary and Joseph followed the law for forgiveness of sins, and Anna, by prayer and fasting, all found Jesus. A lot of people were probably at the temple that day. A lot of people were probably at the temple every day. But they were only there that day because they were drawn to Jesus. John Wesley said this, I want the whole Christ for my Savior. He's drawn to Jesus. I want the whole Bible for my book. I want the whole church for my fellowship. And I want the whole world for my mission field. That's excitement in following Jesus. Let's pray. From Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. My heart longs and yearns for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. How happy are those who live in your house and who praise you continually. How happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on that pilgrimage. Lord, what he's saying there is, how happy are we who are drawn to you, Jesus, to be a part of your temple. Lord, we thank you that this is your church We are your people. And that's something that I can get excited about. And it's something that I can invite other people to be a part of because the Holy Spirit is drawing them as well.
draw us close to you, God. Let us pray fervently for your spirit to be drawing others as well. So that your temple can be built stone by stone. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, the Savior who is with us. Amen.